This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. We started this series out by kind of explaining the word timeless. Everyone say timeless. Timeless, meaning that it's as good or beautiful today than it's ever been because it has stood the test of time. Even society has changed, cultures have changed, uh, the, the winds have changed, have, have changed, have blown in and out. There's just some things that are so classic that they never go out of style. They're just, they're just steady. Well, I started this series out a couple Sundays ago talking about what I feel the Word of God teaches us in relationship to, to friendships. A close friend... A close friend is a timeless role to play. There were close friends in Scripture. There's still close friends today. A close friend prays together, serves together. A close friend produces fruit in life together. A close friend protects one another. You need a close friend. Can I get an amen? We believe that that's established in small groups here at Calvary Church. Last Sunday was Father's Day. And I spoke to all the men, all the fathers, all the single parents, whether it be male or female. And I told us that out of the word of the Lord, I believe the will of God is for us to be building homes of affirmation. Being an affirmer never gets out of style. Affirmation is always in. And as we looked in the word of the Lord, if you're an affirmer, If you have the ability to look into someone's eyes and call the champion out in them, you're always going to have people around you. But you got to remember the reason. The reason is to live a life that's so attractive that people want to be in your world for you to lead them to Jesus. Live a life that shines so bright in a dark place that people come to your light and they realize it's God's colors that is shining through you be an affirmer and now today in this third installment of this series I want to preach to us this morning on the life of contentment everyone say that word contentment it's timeless contentment was taught in scripture from the wise man Solomon all throughout the epistles even the book of Acts teaches us on contentment. We're going to look at it for a little while today, so let's get started. There's nothing wrong with wanting more in life. There's nothing sinful about wanting more. There's nothing carnal about wanting more. There's nothing at all that's of of sin nature in a person that wants more. It has been taught, I believe, with good intentions and good motives, but also in error, that if a person wants more, that they're living their life from greed. There's nothing wrong with wanting more. More what? More friends? More, more, uh, more things? And I know that kind of rubs some people wrong, but you'll hear me out. You're going to understand what I mean by, by things, biblically speaking. There's nothing wrong with wanting more education, 
There's nothing wrong with wanting more finance. Nothing wrong with that. Somewhere, years and years ago, some preacher got a little off track and that group provided two financial teachings in error of Scripture. One would be that it's the will of God for the believer to always be in lack. That it's the will of God for every believer to always have a need financially. It's not the will of God that the church person prosper. Well, that's an error. But then there's also this error, and that is it's the will of God for the believer to have so much that he stores it up for himself and builds, a, builds wealth for himself, and it creates a prosperity or a greed-based uh, belief or doctrine. What I want to come by to you today is, is to bring you from both of those extremes down to the middle. I want us to find a balance in the Word of God that you will see that the will of God is for you to be blessed financially. But the will of God is for you to be so blessed financially that you don't just have your needs met, but that you meet needs. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me tell you this way. For some of you that love to take notes or tweet, uh, here, here's something worth making note of. There's nothing wrong with having money. You just can't allow money to have you. Are you tracking with me? Nothing wrong with it. And if you're not careful, you are probably a, a third, fourth generation uh, individual, whether you're a believer or not. Family trees trickle down these philosophies. Well, there's just certain segments in our society that should have money. You know what that segment is? It's you. You should. But then there's other teachings that, oh, well, well, we should. We, we should just be so blessed and others should not have any. That's false. There's a middle of the road balanced approach that's in the word of God to find the blessings of heaven on your life but here's the secret in being able to keep them to multiply them and share them go with me to the book of 1 Timothy 6 1 Timothy chapter 6 and let's pick it up with verse number 6 we're talking about contentment today <clears throat> verse 6 of 1 Timothy chapter 6 Everyone say godliness. Godliness with contentment is great gain. I love the word gain. Are you gaining in life? Are you winning? Are you increasing? Are you growing? Are you developing? God's plan for you is not to be stagnant and it's not to be in reverse. You're to be gaining ground in your marriage, gaining ground with your children, gaining ground at your place of employment, gaining ground in your church. God's plan is for you to be gaining ground in the word of the Lord, gaining, gaining, gaining. It's not God's will for the believer to sit still or to be in reverse. We're in the gaining calling. You're called to gain, to grow, to develop, mature, increase. Elevate. Somebody say amen. amen. Godliness with contentment is great gain. How do I gain? By being content. Here's the truth of the word of the Lord. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. We can take nothing out of it. 
What's, what are we learning here? That means there's no rich people in heaven. But guess what? There's no poor people in heaven either. There's no black people in heaven. There's no white people in heaven. There's no male in heaven. There's no female in heaven. There's no senior citizen. There's no kids in heaven. You know what's in heaven? People. People. Everyone say this out loud. I am made up of three parts. Your body, your soul, and your spirit. Your body's not going to heaven. Your body's going back to the earth from which it came. Your soul's not going to heaven. Your soul are your thoughts, your mind, your, your emotions, your feelings, your desires, your cerebral life. It's not going to heaven. Your spirit's going to heaven. And what makes this a poignant message today is that a lot of us are spending a lot of time on this body and a lot of us are spending a lot of time on this mind but yet our spirit's unhealthy. Be ye spiritually as healthy as we are mentally, emotionally, and physically. Somebody say, hey, I receive that. So it's my spirit that's going to heaven. That's why it says, I can't take nothing with me. So, so you know this nice wedding ring, it's going to be in the coffin one day. That watch, boy, I like that watch, but it ain't going to heaven. That tie, isn't that pretty tie? That tie ain't going to heaven. Guess what's going to heaven? Nothing that you can see in me is going to heaven. It's what Jesus laid his life down for. It's my spirit man that will be eternally secure. So therefore, I can't take nothing with me. So let's read on. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation. Did it say rich people? No. It said people that want to get rich. Did it say smart people? No. It said people that want to get rich. Did it say uh, savvy business people? No. It said people that want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Why? Here's my underlined portion of my scriptures here. Somebody needs to underline it in yours. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Is money evil? Everybody say no. It's the love of money. It's the love of money that makes people do, that plunge people into ruin and destruction, being unethical. Being dishonest, willing to stab anybody in the back over a dollar, lying, cheating, misleading. It's the love of money. It's the, it's the spirit of greed. It's the spirit of wanting so much more that you're willing to lose it all spiritually to gain more physically. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the enemy of contentment. So if we're going to live the life of contentment, we have to expose the liar for what he is 
And that liar has come by and it caused a lot of people in this world to have the wrong bullseye. Are there any, any, any marksmen in the room or any, or if you throw darts or if you shoot a firearm or archery, you've seen the bullseye. It's got rings, it's got rings and, and it's got that outer ring, inner ring and then a, a third level and then there's a bullseye. Here's the problem in America. If you woke up today in America, of which we did, we're already ahead of the game in prosperity. If you are an American citizen or an immigrant to America that has working rights in America, you're already in a social class that the world knows not anything about. You're prosperous. But with America's prosperity has also come the bondage of prosperity. And the bullseye that all of us are trying to shoot in life has been misplaced from godliness to prosperity. I'm preaching better than you're amening. So what's happened is our bullseye is wealth. Our bullseye is financial security. Do you not get that? There's no such thing as financial security. The bullseye has been misplaced from godliness and righteousness and holiness to separation from the world, to to being honest and morally and ethically pure in the sight of God according to the word of the Lord. We've misplaced that and we've created a new bullseye and that is to gain monetary increase for our own physical pleasure. And God's word is saying you've got the wrong target. If your bullseye is more money, more money, more money, more money, then you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna slip and plunge into destructive thoughts and choices and it's going to leave you in ruin for the love of money that's making you be so dishonest and unethical. The love of money is the root of all evil. But it goes on. Let's keep reading. It gets better than this. Verse number 10. Some people eager for money That's the love of money. If you just wake up with money on your brain, the love of money, if you're eager for money, some people have done so far that they've wandered from the faith and they've pierced themselves with many griefs. You ever heard that old southern saying, well, you made that bed, you got to sleep in it. You ever heard that? You're the one that created that mess, so you're going to clean it up. The love of money will cause you to bring on yourself many griefs, many challenges, many struggles and issues. If If your bullseye, if your bullseye is monetary gain for yourself, then you are bringing yourself under this Amount of griefs, it's found in Ecclesiastes. Turn with me to your Old Testament book of wisdom, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. The wise man tells us in chapter 5, verses 10, 11, and 12, what these griefs look like. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10, reading from the New Living Translation. (laughs) Man, it doesn't get any better than this, everybody. Those who love money. Again, not people with money. Don't get me wrong. Nothing wrong with having money. But the people that love money will never have enough. Grief number one. Issue number one is the more I have, the more I want. The more I have, the more I want. 
He says the love of money, you'll never have enough. Look at, look, keep reading verse number 10. It goes further. Grief number two. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. So here's your second one. The more I have, the less I'm satisfied. The more I have, the more I want. The more I have, the less I'm satisfied. Look at verse 11. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. Somebody wake up and give me an amen on that. <laughs> I got to tell y'all, I'm fit to tell y'all something so funny. It's too good. I did not make this up. I did not create this. This happened early this morning at the 830 service. That service has a little bit of our older demographic in attendance. And at 830, boy, I just preached the paint off the walls on this point right here. Because they get it. They've got kids and grandkids that are doing everything they can to spend all that money. And I kept working that point, And I kept working that point, working that point. Well, the service is completely over. And the church is emptying out to start the 10 o'clock service. And I saw one of my favorite little fellas. He's 90 years old. And he's on one of them little electric scooters. And he comes zipping down the back wall. And I, hail, I yelled out. I said, Brother Ben, Brother Ben, stop that little scooter. I got to get my hug, Elder. You know I got to get my hug. And he said, I'm trying to get out of here from all them people trying to spend my money. <laughs> he's talking about his own kids and grandkids. I just died laughing. That man didn't hear one thing in that sermon, but that point meant something to him. <laughs> Let me tell you why you have to be content in life. You got to be content in life. You can't chase the dollar because the more you chase it, the more you'll want it. And the more you want it, the worse choices you'll make to get it. And the worse choices you make in wanting to get it will bring more poor results and you'll end up sliding, wandering from your faith. You'll compromise on business deals. You'll compromise on taking things that are not yours. You'll compromise and wander from the faith all because you've got an appetite for financial blessings outside of the parameters of biblical instru instruction. you got to keep things through the filter of the word of God. You can have money. But you can't do whatever it takes to get it. You can't step on people, lie and cheat. Now we've crossed into the love of money. And trust me, there are people in my world that I know personally that the fallout of the love and money is not a fallout that you want to experience. So the reason I'm preaching this way to you today is to get you to get as blessed as you can get but also to get you to the place where you can be spiritually healthy enough to understand what you've got and to keep it and to use it, to steward over it. You know what Paul said? Paul said, I know what it's like to have money and I know what it's like to be broke, but I know how to be content in both of those. Paul said, I've been on the top and I've been on the bottom, but I know how to be content in both of those. He said, I know what it's like to have and I know what it's like to have not, but I've learned, I've trained myself to be content in both of those. My way of saying it is, you're going to have some good days and you're going to have some bad days, but you better learn how to be content in both of those. 
The will of God is for you not to only live at the top. The will of God is definitely not for you to only live at the bottom. The will of God is for you to go through the cycles of life, of the ups and the downs, the ins and the outs, the haves and the have-nots, the, 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 the all of what life brings, and for you to have blessing of contentment. Because contentment is a timeless, classic way of living that works to give God glory and honor. Can someone say amen? Let's read on in Ecclesiastes. I can't get bogged down. Watch this. The more I have, the more I want. The more I have, the less I'm satisfied. The more I have, the more others want it. Reading the last part of verse 11 now. So, so what good is wealth? If the more I have, the more I want, and the less satisfied, and the more people spend it, then what good is wealth? Except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers. And then verse 12 the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. So the more I have, the more I have to worry about. But can I tell you something today? That the good may not sleep well, but neither do the poor. The poor don't sleep well, but neither do the rich. So we're not talking about sleep. Sleep is what you think money would give you. But can I just tell you something? You can sleep on a cot. Or you can sleep in the finest king-size bed. But money's not going to dictate how you sleep. Listen to me now. I want to shift your thinking from sleeping well to resting well. There's a difference in a good night's sleep and rest. Look over in the book of Psalm. Psalm chapter 62. Psalm 62, we're about to shift gears, and I want you to help me preach for these next few points, and we'll, we'll enjoy our Sunday together. Watch this, Psalm 62. Find, verse number five, find rest. Everyone say rest. Find rest, oh my soul, in God alone. Not my body. My body's what's sleeping. My body goes to sleep. My body, when it's drained tired, I can fall out on a couch and take me a good nap. That's my body. But I can still sleep in my body but not rest in my soul. That's why you toss and turn all night long. Your body's laid out. Boy, anybody like to sleep with that air condition running? Anybody sleeping right now when the air condition's running? <laughs> That's so funny because some of you are. <laughs> Your body, your physical body can be at sleep, but your soul may not be at rest. The will of God is for you to be so content in life. You're so content that even though you may not sleep good, when things aren't going good, you're still at rest. You got to remember, you got body, you got soul and spirit. Your soul is your emotions, your desires, your thoughts. Your feelings. That's why when you go on a missions trip, you can meet someone that has just beans and rice every single day of their life. But they're at rest. 
They may not sleep well on concrete. They may not sleep well out on dirt underneath the tree. But they're at rest because their bullseye is not money. Their bullseye is godliness and righteousness and holiness and living a life for God. They got the right target. He said, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock. Can I have an amen? He alone is my salvation. He alone is my fortress. I will not be shaken. Why? Because I'm at rest in him. Man, have you noticed the stock market? The stock market goes up. The stock market goes down. But God's the same. Have you ever noticed interest, interest increases, interest decreases. But God's the same. Have you noticed that administrations, governments come into session and they go out of session. But God's the same. Have you ever noticed people? <laughs> people are up one day and people are down the next day. But God, God's the same. And that's why, that's why the psalmist is saying, I will not be shaken. When the economy's good, I won't be shaken. When the economy's bad, I won't be shaken. When interest is high, I won't be shaken. When interest is low and borrowing's plentiful, I won't be shaken. It's almost just like Paul. Paul was saying, when I got money in my pocket or when I can't find it falling out of the holes in my pocket, I won't be shaken because he, he's my source, he's my provision, he's my rock, he's my salvation. He's my fortress. He's my refuge. Somebody clap your hands to Jesus this Sunday afternoon. He says, my salvation and my honor depend on God. He's my mighty rock. He's my refuge. And I close with this. And trust in him at all times. Trust in money? Oh, don't, don't. Trust in people? Please don't. Please don't. Trust in government? Please don't. Don't. Trust in who? Trust in God. You got to get a new bullseye, everybody. This is timeless, classic, old covenant, new covenant, before Christ, after death. This is classic, timeless, consistent, sustainable teaching from the word of God you better learn how to be content in the good and the bad and put your trust in God and nothing else somebody say amen so if that's the case pastor then what what do I need to be in my in my soul in my thoughts in my emotions in my feelings in my in my desires then where do they need to be focused on if I mean I thought this whole idea was to to accumulate wealth and to create legacy giving so you're telling me yeah Watch this. Let me show you where your thoughts need to be on. Let me give you two of them. Now I'm going to pray over you. Acts chapter number 20, verse 35. Out of the message. And I'm choosing the message for this one little phrase in the very beginning of this. This one little phrase. Acts 20, verse 35. You'll not likely go wrong here. <laughs> Boy, the message just knows how to break it down like mama would tell you. You're not going to go wrong here. 
Have you ever, have you ever messed up, messed one of them financial advisors? And this church has got several financial advisors in it, and I honor that job. My daddy was a financial advisor. But have you ever heard, have you ever asked your financial advisor and say, should I put my money here or put my money there? And they'll say, well, you probably won't go wrong here. Man, every time they said that, that was a wrong for me. But the word of the Lord says you probably won't go wrong here. And then it continues and says, if you'll always remember what our master told us, you'll be happier giving more than getting. You won't go wrong here if you'll always remember what our master said. You're far happier giving than getting. Now this is a little country way of saying it. You'll never get until you get giving. <laughs> Y'all want something even more country? Until you get giving, your getting will be minimal. You got to get giving. Now, I know what we would think. Our, our rationale would say, makes no sense, Rev, because you got to get before you can give. And the word of the Lord completely flips that. You have the heart of a giver. I'll increase your getting. The master said you're far happier giving than getting. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 11. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous. Everyone say generous. You can be generous on every occasion. How cool would it be? If, if your family walked into the restaurant and they said, how many? And you said, a party of four. And a waitress heard and looked and saw you and thought, oh, 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 oh. They need to be in my section because I waited on them last time. And it was crazy. They didn't give me the 15. They gave me 30% tip. And all of a sudden, they're over there just making, making some, they putting out the napkins and the silverware. And you know, we, we got you right over here. Generous on every occasion. How cool would it be to be able to hear a pastor say that we might have a little missions effort coming down the line in the month of August in Lithuania. And you can say to yourself or to your spouse, I think we could give to that. How nice would it be to be the most generous aunt and uncle to every niece and nephew at every birthday party. They ignore everybody else and come to you and pull on that pant leg. Generous on every occasion. Here's my second and last one before I pray over you. You need to not only just focus your thoughts and your feelings and your desires, your, 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 your emotions on giving more than getting. You need to, to live a life of contentment. You need to set your heart on true riches. True riches. Luke 16 verse 9. I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. That when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful. In what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else... 
He will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. What's true riches? What, what's true riches? If silver and gold aren't riches, what's true riches? Let me tell you. True riches are the things that God thinks are most valuable. Everyone say people. Let me help you learn how to live content. Love God, love people. <laughs> How incredible would it be to have more people under your register bringing to heaven than you would have money on earth? My God have mercy, nobody heard that. Everybody in this room that has a savings account, you're probably just like me and you look at it. If you got a retirement account, you probably look at it. I know I look at it, and if I'm not on my A game, I can get fixed on it. I was brought up in a home that, that, that just brought me up and trained me in it, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm halfway decent at it, and, and I sit there and I study those graphs, and I study those metrics, and I, and I look at trends. I study that stuff, and if I'm not careful, the people I'm influencing for God will fall, even though my money might be good, my real stock account is where God thinks is most important. <laughs> oh, I wish I could preach to somebody in this room. You want to be content in this life? You want to be content when it's good? You want to be content when it's bad? You want to be, you want to be content when it's sunshine? You want to be content when it's rain? Get your new bullseye. Get your focus off of the dollar that will slip right through your hands. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? We think we're going to save up as much as we can ever save up to save up to save up. All for the joy of giving it to somebody else to spend. How goofy is that? Meanwhile, we could be investing into people. And when we get to heaven, heaven says, I look into your account. <laughs> oh, boy. Son, you was busy. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Yeah, I see on earth you handled your money well, but I see in heaven you did even better. Your kids are in heaven. Your spouse made it. Your friends made it. Your neighbor made it. Your stranger that you just only knew for three minutes, somehow or another your testimony blessed them. All of a sudden, you want to be content? Get your mind off this earthly matter and start thinking about heavenly matters. Matter of fact, let me give it to you. This is what the Bible says. This is how the Bible says it. Colossians 3, Colossians 3 verse 1. Since then, since then you have been raised with Christ. In other words, since you've had your, your name written in the Lamb's book of life, set your hearts on things above. Everybody take your index finger and point to heaven. Set your things on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above. Now take your hand and point like this. Not on earthly things. Set your hearts where? On things above. Let me tell you where contentment comes from. Having a bullseye that grows heaven more than you grow your personal account. You want to be content? Love God love people timeless classic 
good Bible teaching. Stand with me today. Whew. My goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray this blessing over you this morning. This afternoon, rather. Sorry. I want to pray this over your life. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're away from Christ. If you know down deep in your heart. You know right now that you're apart from him. I want to I wanna help you. I want to lead you back to him. The Bible says that he is as close as the mention of his name. You don't have to jump through any hoops. You don't have to prove yourself to your family. You don't have to prove yourself to a preacher. He's as close right now as he's ever been. If you need the love of Jesus, if you need to feel and sense the heart of the Father, he's right here right now. And he's ready to welcome you into his arms. If today you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're ready to repent of your sins and give your life to Jesus or to return to your Father, I want you to lift your hand up real quick. I want to pray for you specifically before I go home. This is for you. I see you right there. You're the reason I woke up this morning. I see you right there in the back. You're the reason this building was unlocked and these lights were on. That's why this building's existing on this property for that hand. Is there another today? You know without a doubt in your mind you need to come back to Jesus. Good night, have mercy. This just like fuel on my fire. For those that have your hand up, this prayer's for you. Dear Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Clean my heart out, God. Somewhere, somehow I got off track. Somewhere, somehow, I started thinking about myself and my world, my needs. And Father, I slipped up and I started wandering from my faith and I started falling into traps of destruction. Lord Jesus, I, I ask forgiveness. I repent of my sins. And I call on your name right now unto salvation. Come into my heart. Save me. Cleanse me. Change me. Empower me with the power of the Holy Ghost. Empower me, Lord, to live a life that's pleasing unto you. Empower me, God, to lead, to lead a life that will bring others to know you by the life change in me. I pray this special blessing on the hands that are lifted. And may the power of the Holy Ghost come into your life to equip you and empower you to live the righteous life that Jesus has created for you on the cross. Receive it by faith and confess it with your mouth right now in the name of Jesus. And I believe you are saved by the power and the blood of the Lamb that has come to take away the sin of the world. Be empowered right now in Jesus' name. Can I get a big amen, somebody? And I know I'm a little over my time, but I want to pray one more prayer with every eye closed and head bowed. This is for someone specifically. If you're ready for a new bullseye. This is talking about the sermon right now particularly. If you're ready to get your mind reset and refocus back on the right priorities, would you lift your hand? I want to come into agreement with you. Wow, now we're talking. 
look at this. With every hand lifted up, I come into agreement with you. Father God, I thank you for your word. The word is making the difference right now in hearts. We're not going to remain on the same path that leads to destruction. We're not going to be money-hungry people. We're not going to desire it to the point that we're unethical. We're not going to desire it to the point that we're dishonest. Father God, we believe right now that there are ways to be provided for our families that is ethical and honest and clean and right and pure. Father God, we ask you to bless us, multiply it, trust us with more, and we'll be quick to give to all occasions. We'll be quick to put you first. In Jesus' name, by faith, receive this word into your heart today. Let's clap our hands before we go home. Giving God glory and praise, everybody. Amen. Amen and amen. All right. I want you to know how much I love you. I believe in you. I believe in you so much. There's a champion in every single one of you. Let's live a life that's pleasing unto God. And let's glorify him in all of our days and actions. Amen. May the Lord bless you. We'll see you Sunday, 8.30, 10 or 11.30. God bless you.